Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome everybody into another edition of the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by our friends at DraftKings, America's number one sports book app. Uh, remember to subscribe to the show, hit that five-star review. I don't care if you write something positive. As long as it's got five stars attached to it, we'll accept it. I'm your host, Greg Esposito. Ahoy hoy, joined, as always, by the beat writer, the man that knows it all. It is Gerald Borgay. Gerald, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. How about you? No complaints. We've survived through Christmas Day. We're... <laughs> We've got New Year's on the horizon. It is insane that we are uh, on to 2022 in short order. But uh, you know what? We are uh, uh, can't complain. Everybody is good and and, and healthy right now. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. It's uh, you know those that meme that goes around. It's like my motivation level right now during this holiday week. It would just be a picture of of Trevor Reza in a Suns jersey. Just no motivation right now i'm exhausted but i feel like it always gets that time around the holidays but fortunately we are all healthy so that's the most important thing yeah let's let's be uh let's be honest this is the the week in the year that is like a lot of those uh sun's lottery picks you know it's you know it's it's it always sounds like oh it's it's got all this hype but really that final week of the year you're just like i'm done with it i'm I'm not going to reach that potential of what this week could be. I know I got all these plans, these things I want to do, this great hope for it, but no, it's going to wind up being a lot of sitting around, not getting the stuff done, watching maybe a little bowl games, and uh, and then just trying to take a nap every once in a while. Yeah, that's pretty much it, except instead of bowl games, substitute it with uh, all the nerdy shows that I like to stream. So that's pretty much <laughs> what I'm going to be doing for this next week, aside from Sun stuff. Yeah, that's a uh, that's me too. Watching a lot of nerdy streams, uh, but I guess I guess the end of my 2021 is very much like the first nine months of it while I was still working in corporate America, where every morning I woke up three feet from my office and then uh, sat there and wondered what in the hell am I doing with my life. Uh, would watch something, would try to pretend to get work done, and then would start it all over again. So I'm very glad to be out of that and onto bigger and better things so that's good we're on we're on the way up we are 2022 here we come uh we will hope it's not a replay of 2020 or 2021 you know we'll uh, hopefully bigger and brighter things on the horizon but there is a week left in in 2021 and the suns have to get through it despite multiple players and their head coach monty williams being in safe Health and safety protocols, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, both there. Uh, who knows what else is to come? We're sitting here late on a Tuesday afternoon. Suns are not holding their media availability till 445 today. Who knows? 
if, if anybody else will wind up in protocol. I also know it's sweeping through the broadcast team, as I believe John Bloom and Tim Kempton in health and safety protocols as well. So, but the Suns struggling on the court, struggling, it's not a fair word. They had a bad stretch in the fourth quarter against Golden State on Christmas Day, and they had a defensive lapse in the final five seconds uh, against Memphis on Monday night. How do you think this Suns team is coping in terms of health and safety protocol and just where they are in the season right now, Gerald? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Suns were one of like four or five teams until a couple of days ago that hadn't had a single player in health and safety protocols yet. So they lasted about as long as anyone could reasonably expect them to, especially with some of the teams they played over the last week that had guys in and out of uh, health and safety protocols. So um, this was kind of inevitable. We knew this was going to happen at some point. Um, we saw them play the Hornets, the Wizards, the Warriors, and then those guys had guys that either tested positive or had an inconclusive test. So it was just a matter of time. Uh, unfortunately, the hits kept coming yesterday because uh, at that point it was just Jay Crowder and I think Alfred Payton. And then Payton wound up, I think his was an inconclusive test. So that's why he was able to play after all, because he registered the requisite number of, of negative tests beforehand. Um, and then Aiton came and, and, uh, Monty Williams was on the list. So I don't, you know, it sucks. And I'm hoping that they're able to contain it to just those two or three guys, but you know, this thing is spreading like wildfire. So it wouldn't surprise me if more names are added to the list. We'll see when we talk to Kevin Young in an hour or so. Um, but yeah, they, they've, they've moved back practice because they had new cadence with their testing procedures um i don't think the nba was testing daily until the day after christmas and that's when they are cracking down now with more testing um so i guess we're probably going to see more positive results moving forward i would hope not um but this is just kind of that section of the season that every other team has had to go through so far where you just kind of grin and bear it any win that you can get in this stretch is a good win or just a useful win and any loss, you know, you're going to be inclined to look at it and be like, eh, you know, the, the, I, I, I understand last night was a bummer because like they came back from 18 down, they were out of a rhythm all game. Then the fourth quarter happens, Cam Johnson and campaign are hitting shots. Devin Booker hits that go ahead three. And you're thinking, wow, what a tough, resilient team. They're going to win despite, you know, not having their head coach, despite not having Aiden, despite not having Crowder, despite, you know, the Grizzlies backcourt tearing them a new one all night. <laughs> and then John Morant hits that ridiculous shot. And it's like, ah, all right, well that kind of stings a little bit, but like it's, it was such an atypical win and they have so many guys that are out just due to injuries, not even just COVID stuff, but regular injuries. I, I just, I don't want to put any too much stock into any of these wins or losses right now, just because everybody in the league is going through this. Yeah. I, I mean, and, I some people were faulting McHale <coughs> Saul Bookman on his defensive rotation uh, <laughs> at the end uh, at the end of the game, but instinctually he's so used to having DeAndre Ayton back there that he did what in ninety nine percent of the the time is the right thing 
uh, on that play. And the thing that bothered me more was the miscommunication uh, on the uh, on the pick there. But overall, yeah, Tuesday night or excuse me, Monday night's game is one that I I don't look at and go, oh no, there's there's so many glaring weaknesses with this team. You go, they fought hard despite missing two of of their starters and uh, and having a rough shooting first half, it really first three quarters, and they found a way, like they have multiple times this year, to get back into it, and it just wasn't enough uh, in the last seconds. Like I, that's not a panic moment to me at all. No, I mean, and people point to like this is only this, or this is the second time they've lost back to back games, and I think last year they lost consecutive games like only four or five times or something like that. Um, but like you got to consider the circumstances like Christmas day Booker played like shit. And like, that's a good team. That team is capable of beating the Suns at full strength. I think the Suns are still the better team, but you know, you see what happens if somebody important like Booker doesn't have a game up to their standard, they're beatable. And then the Grizzlies, like the Grizzlies, we shouldn't knock them. I, I think the Suns would make quick work of them in a playoff series if both teams were fully healthy, but they are the fourth best team in the Western conference. Like they're not pushovers. John Morant is having a terrific season. Desmond Bain is looking every bit of the late first round draft still that we thought he might be. Um, That's a, it's a good team over there. And they kind of, they, without Aiton, you know, the points in the paint that they were getting were pretty. So they outscored the sun 62, 46 in points in the paint. They outscored them 21-14 in second chance points, and they out-rebounded them 50-35. to 35. Like, when you don't have Aiton in there, that's what happens. And, like, having Jalen Smith on the floor, when you need a stop in a game-winning situation, like, that's probably not always going to go well for you. Not that he did anything wrong on the play. The miscommunication there was was on Bridges and Paul, but, like, it's, it's really not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. The Suns have lost two straight games, and they still only have seven losses on the season. I, I think you'll take that 10 times out of 10. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's still the second best start in franchise history. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, you'll take that. You'll, you'll take that any day uh, and, and be all right with it. And look, I think it speaks a lot to the, uh, the importance of Deandre Ayton to this team defensively uh, as well as Jay Crowder, not to, to, dismiss the the impact he has as well but deandre ayton is the anchor of that defense and when you're missing him uh, they take a significant step back on that on that side of the ball and it shouldn't come uh, as a surprise i feel like there's a lot of moments already this season that deandre and his agent are just kind of put in a file in their memory and going <laughs> yeah we'll be bringing that up uh at the end of this season when negotiations start back up i think I think we're making our point here. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause like that was like, just you think about that John Morant game winner and maybe he finds a way to finish around in the pain if, if Aiton is there instead. Um, but maybe he doesn't like Morant is a very crafty finisher. So he, and he's got a good floater, but DA being there to contest that shot instead of Booker makes a big difference at the end of the day. And, you know, McGee picked a, a rough night to have, like, JaVale McGee and Chris Paul both picked rough times to have such bad games. Like, McGee fouled out in 22 minutes, was a team worst minus 17. Like, 
you kind of hope, like we've seen him at his best when DA has been out. We've also seen what happens when he gets a little, a little in a little foul trouble there. So a very good game for making Aiton's case of his importance, Monty Williams, his importance and Jay Crowder too. Cause that communication there on the last play was a little bit off and, and maybe it's yeah. not if you have two of your main communicators out there. Yeah. And you wrote earlier in the week about it, but, uh, or late last week, it all blends together this time of year. <laughs> Jared, forgive me. One day in the last month, you wrote about uh, Cam Johnson making his case for, uh, for being one of the core pieces and how important he's been. And he again mm-hmm. uh, did it on Monday night. He's finding his rhythm shooting, uh, and he's he's just been that positive guy off the bench. He gets the start on Monday night. It, it, you, do you feel there's a chance that uh, to steal a baseball term, he may Wally Pip Jay Crowder in this starting <laughs> lineup? Just how how well he's been playing? Wally Pip, that's a good one. <laughs> I uh, uh, I don't think I've ever heard that term before. That's interesting. Um, it's the know. guy that Lou Gehrig came in for when uh, Wally Pip got injured for the Yankees. Lou Gehrig came in for and never left. And he that's when he became the Iron oh. Man. He kind of just uh, Wally Pip got forgotten. So okay, that's interesting. I I learned something new today. Look at that. Um, but no, <laughs> I'm I, old, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I. I think Cam Johnson was great last night. You know, he had 19 points, seven rebounds, shot four ten from beyond the arc. And he had a rough shooting night to start. I think he started one for six. So he really kind of worked himself out of that. Uh, he's like a human law of averages, and he's doing it now, even within the same game when he has a rough start. But I don't know. I don't know that you want to take him out of that second unit because Crowder does so many important things for that starting group that will never show up on the stat sheet. And I hate using that term because it's always so cliche, but like he really does. And their, their chemistry with that starting five is so strong. And, and Cam Johnson has a, a good chemistry with the second unit and kind of provides that, that scoring punch a little bit more consistently than maybe campaign has this year. So I don't know if you want to replace him with Crowder because Crowder Crowder is not going to be that same kind of shooter slash scorer coming off the bench. Um, and, and I think it gives Monty the luxury if he is bringing Cam off the bench. Cam was saying it's like a little bit different because you normally you get the time to kind of survey the game and get a feel for the game before you check in and kind of assess what your team needs from you on a given night. And I think with the starting role, we saw him struggle initially Um because he, he didn't get that same feel for the game. You know, it's different as a starter versus coming off the bench. I don't know if Crowder would be good in a bench role the same way he's good with that starting unit. So I think I think next year is probably the year when we're like, okay, Cam Johnson is too good to not be starting. But for now, I, I think you don't mess with that chemistry of the starting unit and you let Cam Johnson do what he does in the second unit. Yeah, I tend to agree as well. I know there's a lot of people in Suns land that that think that's a a move that needs to be made. But my biggest concern uh, is just how streaky uh, that that Jay is. You can hide that within uh, within the starters offensively, 
but you can't do that on the bench. And Cam's Cam Johnson has been such an important piece uh, to add scoring to that bench that I think it drastically changes changes the dynamic uh, when when that happens. And I think you saw that in part against the Grizzlies, how poor that second unit was at times offensively, especially with JaVale McGee not figuring it out either. Uh, I think it just throws the delicate balance that is this Suns team offense, you know, off because we we talk about that. This is a balanced roster. You can have, you know, seven, eight, nine guys score in double figures in a win, but I think you tinker with that too much and it and, and it throws that off, at least for a period of time. And I don't know that it's it's worth it enough. I think you're spot on with that's a move you make going into next season and you reward cam for it. And it's not really a punishment from J for Jay, but maybe you can stack that bench, re reorganize that bench where there's some scoring power elsewhere. Uh, and so it takes the onus off of Jay having to be consistent uh, offensively because we know that's just not what Jay Crowder does. Yeah. And, and I think the last thing especially with the J cam Johnson uh, debate is concerned is like, we have to factor in that the Suns just need a little bit more from campaign. If they're going to make a move like that. And, and I think, and I love campaign. Don't get me wrong. Like I was thrilled by the year that he had last year um, and, and what he did in the bubble. And he's still one of my favorite players just because you watch him in pregame warmups and that dude is just dancing all over the court. Like he has this type of energy <laughs> that's just infectious. He doesn't stop. He's just singing and dancing to the music the entire pregame. And it's hilarious. And it's hard not to root for a guy like that and relate to him. But like we are seeing last year, we heard people wonder if like campaign could be the long term point guard, you know, the successor to Chris Paul once his kind of prime is done. And I just never understood that because, like, I love campaign, but he is a high-end backup. He is not the guy you hand the keys over to. And I think we're seeing that a little bit more this season because, you know, he, he it feels like he's pressing a lot of the time. Like, he's only shooting 39% from the field and 31% from three, which is way down from last year when he shot 48% from the field and a team-high 44% from three. Like he used to be one of the most efficient pull-up shooters in the league. And this year he's just missing all of them. And it feels like because the Suns have guys missing, because he knows that he's missing shots, it feels like he's pushing and pressing just a little bit more than he should be. Um, just, just for reference. So in basketball, obviously if you have more field goal attempts than points, that's never a good place <laughs> you want to be in. So he's joined that club this year 12 times in just 28 games. Last year, all of last season, he only did it 13 times. So like we're already in that territory where he's almost averaging more shots per game than points per game. That's not an efficient score right now. And he's got to find a way to turn it around because his threes aren't falling. He, he's making some reckless drives into the paint. He had that five turnover game against the Warriors the other night. It was good to see him bounce back last night because when he started hitting shots, it really woke the building up. Um, but they need to see that a little bit more consistently out of him moving forward. 
um, because he just hasn't quite been there so far this season. Is uh, For me, I feel like he might be, and I think this is the right term, forgive me if it's not, regressing to the mean. You know, we saw the extreme of how great he could be last year. We've also seen there was a reason that he wasn't on a roster when the Suns went to the bubble and they were able to bring him in. So, and I don't think he's as bad as his his lowest low. I don't think he's as good as his highest high likely. It's probably somewhere in the middle with, with campaign. But for me, what I think has been the most frustrating part is how many how many times he makes that move that we saw him do last year, he gets to the hoop and he doesn't finish. Right. Mm-hmm. And and if, a, if a few of those fall, I feel like at that point, maybe it snowballs. Maybe that's when his offensive confidence starts going again. Uh, and he gets in that groove. He feels like a guy uh, that that's very much a, a, a vibe kind of guy. Right. When, mm-hmm. when he feels good, it, it it is good kind of thing. I, I mean, and to your point, even when he's not scoring, even when there's problems that on that side of things, the energy that he brings in that fourth quarter, when he got going a little bit and Cam Johnson was going and they're, uh, they're getting back in that game. He by himself seemed to get that crowd back in the game. He was the defibrillator paddles that that saved the the footprint center crowd against Memphis and got them engaged to the point where uh, you know it was it felt like in that late in that fourth it had vibes similar to the playoffs and he it, it his attitude his approach seemed to fuel that with the with the crowd. Yeah, no it absolutely did. There was that one three that Cam hit in the corner to cut it to, I think, 11. And then it was one of those crowd moments where they kind of like cheer and then they like look at the score, they realize the time. They're like, fuck, guys, like we need to go now. So they kind of like crescendoed a little bit and campaign was pressing on defense. The Suns got the ball. He hit that. You there, Gerald? This crowd in a yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, you broke up when you said he hit that three, and then it went silent. Okay. Um, he he hit that three where it rattled in and out, and it honestly like, and that just kind of added to the frenzy a little bit. That you know when those shots go in and out, and then they finally fall. Um, and it just him and Cam Johnson when they hit big threes like that, it just ignites the crowd in a way that it kind of doesn't for almost anyone, but like Devin Booker or like a Deandre Ayton dunk. Like it's, it's, I can't explain it. Um, But yeah, I think the crowd really relates to him and his energy. So when he's on, he really gets rolling. And when he's off, he tries a little bit too hard to recreate that energy again. Um, You know, and he wasn't a great finisher around the rim last year, but his shots, those tough finishes that you're talking about, where he just scoops it up or lobs it over defenders. When they did fall, it was noticeable. And this year, they're just not falling. They're falling at an even worse rate. So hopefully he's able to turn it down. And like you're saying, you know, we're seeing him regress to the mean in kind of an extreme way compared to last year. Hopefully we're about to see him, like we did with Cam Johnson, progress a little bit. Because I agree with you. I don't think he's as good as he was last year. 
but I think he's not too far off of that. And I think he could just be better with hitting a couple more threes. And I think those will hopefully start falling for him soon. Yeah. Consistency is important. You know, you know what else gets the crowd going, Gerald? What's that? Scoring. And with the DraftKings Sportsbook app, if any, if the NFL team you bet on scores, you score too. That's right, football fans. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just one dollar, yeah, that's right, for less than a co- the cost of a really crappy cup of coffee just one dollar on any team to score you can win a hundred dollars in free bets it's just that simple DraftKings sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same game parlays that literally is the worst term in sports is skin in the game i hate hate that term <laughs> combine multiple bets from the same game for bigger payouts the more legs you add the more money you can win it's the centipede of betting DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use the promo code phnx bet one dollar on any team to score and get one hundred dollars in free bets if they score you score it is that simple or you can bet on jay crowder when he's back from health and safety protocol to score the first field goal and like 40 percent of the time you'll score a 21 and over arizona only gambling problem yeah you're going to call that 1-800 next step new customers only eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details and let me also remind you that if you didn't get what you wanted this holiday season, don't worry. The PHNX Locker still has the great sports merch just for you. Spoil yourself. Pick up some of the hottest shirts and stickers in the Valley. I am rocking the Cardinals uh, Cardinal on a football shirt right now, one of my favorites. Uh, you can get the Sunset Drive shirt. That's uh, one of our son's shirt that he's on fire. Uh, there's just so many great shirts the coyotes have like 20 shirts and they're all spectacular and they all sell well uh cardinals have some fun ones too so go check them out i uh, head to the phnx locker or head to phnxlocker.com today grab any sticker pack we have sticker packs with the designs on the shirt five dollars or grab any t-shirt just 29.99 and be the envy of all your friends this uh well, i guess we're past the holiday season, so be the envy of all your friends throughout 2022. Why not? Make it a whole year of they wish they had your shirt. Gerald, uh, a, a guy who's the envy of all his friends, I'm sure, uh, is Kevin Young. The Is it interim head coach? What, what do you call a guy that is just sitting in the seat because somebody's sick? Like, I, think the uh, like term, the- I, I think the term Cole the uh one of the sun's pr guys used last night was acting head coach acting that that is much better Saul tried to tell me it was interim and that just felt like monty got fired for a few days till he (laughs) felt better so i will take acting head coach uh kevin young the acting head coach for the phoenix suns uh this guy's story is is interesting A, a college basketball player uh he's only 40 years old just turned 40 back in november and you know he played college hoop at uh, Middle Georgia and Clayton State, you know powerhouses of the 
what kind of colleges are those uh, group, but <laughs> played there and then immediately got into coaching. And I love the names of some of the, the teams that he's coached. He coached the Shamrock Rovers hoops team. That, that's right. Their name is the hoops, the Shamrock Rovers uh, in, in uh, Ireland, I believe it is. Then he coached the Utah Flash, the Iowa Energy, and the Delaware 87ers. Uh, that's, that is a hell of a lot of fun team names that this guy's coached in his journey to finding his way to the 76ers bench and then uh, the Suns bench before becoming the acting head coach for the Suns with Monty Williams and Health and Safety Protocol. Yeah, he's, he's had an incredible career journey and it was kind of funny because um there was our last question for media availability before the game yesterday was um a reporter from ireland who was asking him you know if he ever saw himself making this journey to an nba acting head coach after coaching in dublin ireland with with the shamrock rovers and he was like that's a tremendous reference that maybe like you and only i would know on this zoom call (laughs) about that experience um because he and he made his coaching debut at age 23, which is kind of incredible. Because, like you said, he only just turned 40. Um, and then when he started coaching was back in 2006, so he was like 23 years old at the time, uh, which is pretty impressive. He's been kind of all over the place. He's coached in college, he's coached at the G League level, he's been an assistant in the NBA. Um, and now this year he was bumped up to associate coach and then acting head coach with Monty out. So it really is kind of impressive the range of experience he has, you know, he said um, he would be coaching anywhere just because he loves this game so much. And, you know, he treated those games with the Shamrock Rovers the same way he approached game six of the NBA finals with the Suns last year is that he puts his everything into it. So kind of cool to see him get this opportunity. Obviously there were some things that stood out a little bit different compared to Monty last night, but, um, he said that Monty was like fully willing to hand over the keys to him and, and let him coach and offer whatever help he could. So I thought that was pretty cool that he got his opportunity last night. Yeah, same here. I I, just, I loved listening to him pregame uh, and in particular loved that question because we we got to hear a very Irish accent from yes. the reporter, which was <laughs> which was spectacular. No offense to you and the Kellen Olsons and the Dwayne Rankins. I love all your voices too, but when uh, when you get the Irish accent uh, out of the blue on a Suns pregame media huddle, it's it's fun as well. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love I love his approach to the game. But what I was wondering, and, and I don't know if you guys got into this post game and, and we didn't get to talk about it on the post game show, but were some of those rotations uh, based on what Kevin wanted to try were, uh, last night? Because we saw for the first time in a long time, uh, the uh, three headed point guard uh, rotation. <laughs> At one point we saw CP three campaign and Alfred Payton out there. I mean, it, were these things that, that he and Monty had talked about, do you think, or, or were these things that he decided to experiment with since obviously there was a necessity with the amount of guys out? Yeah. So, uh, Dwayne Rankin actually asked him about, you know, how much he was subbing, especially early on, whether he was trying to get a feel for the game or like what was behind that. And his response was kind of, he said it was a combination of things. He said, um, you want to be responsible with the guy's minutes in this kind of 
roster stunted rotation that they had with so many guys out. Um, you said they had a plan, but at times that can get kind of foggy based on the way the game's going. Um, so they were just trying to like find their footing. Um, he said the way the minutes played out, it kind of balanced itself out in the end. But I really do think he was just kind of throwing things at the wall to get a feel for it and maybe over substituting a little bit because it felt like there was that one point where he subbed JaVale McGee out and he wasn't in foul trouble yet. And JaVale McGee looked like sincerely flummoxed that like he was coming out again because he had just come back in. Um, so I think that was part of a new a co- a coach being a head coach for the first time. Um, Cause it's so easy to nitpick a, a coach's rotations when you're watching the game and don't have to worry about everything else. But like when you're actually in that position, it's hard to like, have that same feel for when a guy needs to come out, when he's been in, who's in foul trouble, what the other team is doing, what your team needs on a given night. Like it's, it's tougher to navigate than people give it credit for. So I think he was just kind of throwing shit at the wall and checking to see what would stick. And and also like they had so many guys missing that even if Monty had been there, the rotation would have been pretty funky last night. Yeah, yeah, I don't hold it against him. Like I wasn't going, what in the heck is Ke-? I yeah. was just going, well, this is this is interesting because you you have to do something with uh, with as many people out. I mean, even even if Wainwright wasn't available uh, last mm-hmm. night due to uh, Monday night due to injury, so he had to kind of get creative with it. I just I didn't expect to see three point guards again in uh in our time watching the Suns on the court. But uh, I'll just say this. I didn't really want to go back and, and see the point guardians of the galaxy uh, in Dragic and uh, IT and Bledsoe uh, after that. I may have sarcastically said it made me long for those days, but let me be very clear. It did not. So, <laughs> Yeah, what, no, that was, there- I mean, go ahead. I was just going to say, were there any other major takeaways that you had when looking at uh, what Kevin Young uh, did on Monday night or anything else that kind of stood out for you from the game? No, not too much. I I honestly do feel like he's kind of an extension of Monty in a way that they weren't doing too much differently. I thought he did, you know, for a coach that was in this position for the first time, to have so many guys out to, you know, be playing a, a pretty good Grizzlies team to have his team claw its way back and then draw up a really good play that got Devin Booker so wide open. I think he, even he was surprised at how much space he had for that yeah. shot to put the Suns ahead. Like I, I thought he did a pretty good job. He did as well as you could ask in that situation. Um, obviously you would have preferred to have the win to get that stop on that last play, but, Again, when you don't have eight in there to kind of crowd the rim, sometimes that kind of crazy, really tough shot that Morant hit happens. So, um, and and I think Cam Johnson and the guys were gracious after the game. They were saying like, we appreciate what he did tonight, drawing up that plays, changing things in the second half to help us kind of uh, claw our way back into that game. Um, you know, he he did a decent job. He's he's no Monty, but you know we should acknowledge that Monty should be the coach of the year front runner right now. So that's that's certainly not saying anything bad about Kevin Young. There's there's nobody in New York that's gonna steal it just because they uh, coach in a bigger market this year. 
<laughs> it's entirely <laughs> possible. God, that'll never stop pissing me off. <laughs> yeah, I love that that Kevin Young, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't wind up having any of this go on his own record. That he gets this goes on Monty's. It's it's like driving your friend's car. Uh, and and going through one of those uh, speed cameras, and they get the ticket sent to them. Like it's just, hey, look, <laughs> it's, I'm playing with uh, with house money. I'm just going to experiment right now. So <laughs> exactly, poor Monty getting a loss when he's not even coaching. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, uh, DeAndre Ayton. This just came down a little earlier today uh, from Nick DePaula over at ESPN, the resident sneakerhead at uh, the four-letter network. Uh, DeAndre Ayton landed a new Puma shoe deal uh, that's going to be focused a lot on charitable donations. I also believe it's going to make him the one of the top three highest-paid endorsers for sneakers. And let me specifically... Uh, it places Aiton among the league's top three highest paid athletic brand endorsers. Oh, at the center position. Okay, glad <laughs> I read through that. But I was like, man, that is one hell of a deal for DeAndre Aiton to become top three. That top three centers. I can't name uh, out unless unless you're in some bizarre world counting uh, Giannis as a center. I can't name the other two guys who have big deals that are centers in the league. Hmm, that's a good question. I because I don't. Does Carl Anthony Towns have his own shoe? Does, uh, I don't know that he has his own shoe. So. He might have. He might have a sizable deal with Nike, but I don't. I don't know anything specific. Uh, so, uh, does, Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's uh, probably one. Embiid's probably one. I I would doubt Rudy Gobert has an extremely lucrative <laughs> shoe deal. God but what the hell us. do I know? Who the hell would want to wear Rudy Gobert's? That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of fundamental defense and uh, and giving people a transmissible disease by touching microphones. Give me a pair of sneakers, please. Uh, <laughs> the, the screen assist 4.0s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I you know, I'm happy for Da though because I, you know he decided to go his own way when he came out of the league and and joined Puma because he said in an interview with the Paula uh, that's online that that was kind of the brand that was in the Bahamas when he was growing up, uh, you know, and he looked, he looked up to Usain Bolt, who, who was a guy, uh, you know, from, from the area in Jamaica. And then what, what he was able to do in Pumas and that it meant something to him. And, you know, because a lot of people look at this and go, why would DeAndre Ayton go with Puma? Their shoes aren't as good as Nike, which you know, I've heard from multiple sources that, that, that the shoe itself isn't, isn't the greatest, uh, you know, shoe, uh, but that it means something to him, that there's a reason for it. And, I mean, it doesn't hurt that they throw a lot of cash at you either, but I liked that there was this connection and this focus on, on being charitable. He said, look, growing up, he got a, a lot of hand-me-down stuff because they just didn't have money. But now he's able to, uh, with the help of his mother and, and Puma, go out there and, and give shirts and shoes to, to kids in need so they have something new to be proud about. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed reading that. Um, <laughs> that in that story, I, I 
was cracking up because I think he used the word lit to describe the shoes or the deal like <laughs> the four deal, different yes. times. Yeah. It's pretty lit. It's yeah. truly a blessing as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I could just picture DeAndre saying that too. But um, no, it's really cool because he was talking about how, you know, growing up people would come to his house and they would always leave with a full belly. And so he's always been kind of taught about giving back um and and it was kind of a i think the article uses the term full circle moment where he was able to gift the first pair of the rsx deandres to usain bolt a guy who he had looked up to as kind of the you know the main athlete that guy in the in the caribbean so that was i thought that was really cool i'm happy for him you know it's i think it's very on brand for deandre to be with you know, not one of the main, you know, shoe companies like Nike, but like Puma and doing his own thing with a brand that he relates to directly from his time growing up because Pumas were, were the shoes down there. So I I think that's really cool for him. It's a, it's a nice way to kind of build on his own brand and establish himself and remind people that like, yeah, I am a top three. I am a top five center in this league and I'm paid like one now too. Well, well hopefully. from the shoe company. At least for from shoes shoe he is. <laughs> <laughs> for shoes he is. I yeah, I look, I I love what DeAndre Ayton's about. I think this like you said, just kind of encapsulates that. I actually and I may be in the minority, I actually think the shoes that, that Puma's produced with him have actually been kind of cool looking too. Mm-hmm. Granted, I'm I'm the old guy, so what do I know? I'm sitting here in flip flops, don't know crap about kicks, but you know. I've thought they they've had a good look to him too. So so more power to him. Uh, glad he got the bag and a mini version when it comes to shoes and uh, and hope that this is just the start of bigger things for DeAndre on a national uh, scale. Uh, Gerald, before we get out of here, just want to remind everybody that they can get your spectacular writing. And I don't just say that because you're here or because I'm paid to although that does help, but I've always been a huge fan of everything you write. You're one of the guys that takes the time to really understand the team. You're not giving them aggregated crap or, or things that are, are regurgitated a million times. You're thoughtful in your analysis, your approach, and the kind of quotes that you're getting from out there. And I want all of you that are listening that are obviously Suns fans because you wouldn't have put up with uh, 40 minutes of us talking like this. If you weren't <laughs> head over to gophnx.com, become a member, be part of the family. You can either buy an annual membership and get a free shirt or go month to month, get your first month for just 50 cents. It is the best local in-depth coverage you are going to get about all your teams. And Gerald does it better than anybody and you Gerald you can tell Kellen uh and and Dwayne that I said that and I will say that to them in person you do it better than anybody but you're also too humble to actually say it yourself so please go get a membership and read everything that Gerald's doing anything you want to plug about what you're writing coming up Gerald no I I appreciate the kind words um I, I think like even if you don't even if you think my content is just good like the t-shirt deals alone are worth the membership. (laughs) So, um, like I said, far too humble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have a hard time plugging my own stuff, but if you want to, like I wrote about the Grizzlies game the other night and a couple of takeaways that 
you know, might be relevant. It's one of those games you kind of just want to flush. But I did think there were a few things that were worth taking away from that game. And surprisingly, most of them are positive. I know it's easy to be down about the state of the team right now, especially with guys out of the lineup. But it really isn't bad. Like, just think about how fortunate we are to be where we are with this team 26 and 7. And we're, yeah. you know, upset over back-to-back losses against good teams. We're in a good place, I promise. Yeah. Uh, if you want to be in a good place, too, don't forget to head over to our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use that code PHNX. Bet at least $1 on any NFL team. If they score, you can get $100 in free bets. It's just that easy. That is a wrap on another edition of the PHNX Suns podcast. You can follow Gerald Bourget at Gerald Borgay. You can follow me at Espo. You can follow the show at PHX underscore Suns. We will be back on Wednesday at 6.30 for a pregame show uh, pro, uh, previewing the OKC Thunder and Phoenix Suns out at the Footprint Center. You can join us immediately after the game, all that on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. So for Gerald, I'm Espo. We'll talk to you next time here on the PHNX Suns podcast. Ahoy hoy.